Well, hey, great to see everybody. You made it. You made it. You're here. Can you hear me? All right. So glad that you made it and that you're with me today for Centerpoint online or on the patio. You know what? We had this thought and we thought, you know what? Uh, let's, let's choose another time to gather outside. Let's do it in the evening when it'll be cooler. Yeah, that worked out. So here we are. But I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that we're able to be together, even if we are sweating down the back a little bit for the glory of God. If you're joining us online, though, you're, 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 you got a maid, man. You're just kicking back in the AC, and you, you made a great choice. But so did you, if you're here. Anyway, you know, this past week was a pretty big deal week for a lot of us, especially for parents, because, you know, we were staring down the pike of, oh my gosh, how did this happen? How did Friday the 14th happen so quickly? And it was this whole new uh, start to, to school, unlike anything we've ever experienced before. And all of a sudden, all, all of us had, had this experience, like as though someone said, tag, you're it, you're in charge of your kid's school, and then ran out of the room, you know? And then we had to figure it out. And uh, it was not the first day of school that any of us were probably imagining. And a lot of us were feeling some tension, maybe even some anxiety heading into Friday. But you know what I love? What I love is that uh, on Friday and then uh, on Saturday, Parents and teachers started posting things. But in particular, I'm thinking about the parents who started posting pictures of that first day of school experience, nevertheless, you know, with a, a picture of like first day of fifth grade and, and then a, a little video story of, of a kid in their, in their bedroom at their computer. And, and I thought, you know what? If we're going to play tag, that's how you do it, right? You just go and you roll with the punches and you make something happen. I love how we've seen so much courageous adaptability in our community over over the last couple weeks, both from principals and teachers and parents alike, just trying to figure out, all right, this is the hand we got dealt, let's figure it out, tag your it, fine, I'm running. And there has been such an amazing, courageous adaptability, and I just want to say hats off, especially to the mamas and the papas that made it happen this week. If, if you wouldn't mind, just give it up a little bit for some moms and dads and teachers and administrators that made it happen. And, you know, I was thinking, in a, in a way, it sometimes feels a little bit like, like Jesus has set up a kind of a game of tag, you're it for us <laughs> in an interesting kind of way. And here's what I mean. I think about it like this. At the beginning of, of the Gospels, you know, you find Jesus, in a sense, saying tag, you're it to a, a variety of people in his words, come follow me. You know, come follow me to one after another and they're following him and then Jesus is running and he's casting out demons and he's preaching the gospel and he's healing the sick and he's announcing the kingdom. And then Matthew 10 verse 8, in a sense, Jesus says, and now tag your it and commissions the disciples and says to them, get out there, get after it, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the demons, cleanse the lepers, announce the kingdom, you do it. And then the disciples are out there doing the stuff, and then they come back and, in a sense, tag Jesus back in. And then Jesus continues. He's teaching in the temple courts. He's, he's in the synagogues sharing the scriptures. He's out there uh, bringing healing and deliverance, and he's, he's doing the stuff, ultimately going to the cross and to the grave. But then he rises from the dead, and, and then you get this moment that is like the ultimate tag your it moment. And there's two scriptures we're going to spend a little time in today. So you could get a thumb in Matthew 28 
and also find your way to Acts chapter 1. But the, the moment in Acts 28, or sorry, Matthew 28, is Jesus after having risen from the dead. And you'd probably think that after conquering the grave and coming back, that message would matter, huh? And so Jesus appears to the disciples, and this is in Matthew uh, chapter, Matthew chapter 28, and this is, this is what we read there. It, it, it says, Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so I think you can see it, right? This is Jesus in a very real way after his resurrection looking at the disciples and saying, tag, you're it. You've seen me do it. You've seen what I've done. You've heard all that I've said. You've been a part of it with me. And now you, go for it. And so this is not just for the early church, not just for the James, Peter, James crew uh, and John. It's for the everybody who ever would bear the name of Jesus and say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, to receive this moment for what it is. And this moment is called the Great Commission. Everybody say the Great Commission. If you're new in this life of following Jesus, this moment, which we call the Great Commission, is incredibly important. And I want to make sure we're all on the same page about it, that it's not just a moment for that one Sunday where we, you know, have a missionary come and share. It's a moment for every single disciple to recognize this is who we are. We are the people who are sent on the commission that Jesus had for us. This great commission is for every single disciple, every one of us. This is the plan of Jesus, that we would be the ones who recognize who we are. We embrace this ultimate uh, tag-your-it moment of Jesus, the great commission. It's like as though Jesus is saying, there's a lot of pain in the world. Tag, you're it. Go heal it. There's a lot of oppression in the world. Tag, you're it. Go set somebody free. It's like Jesus is saying, yeah, there's a lot of despair in the world right now. Tag, you're it. Go bring hope. It's like Jesus is saying, yeah, there's people going to hell or living through hell right now. Go bring heaven. Go bring hope. There's a lot of despair and emptiness. Go bring the fullness. Tag, you're it. I want you to just turn to somebody sitting next to you and say with a six-foot distance, tag, you're it. Just go ahead. I was going to tell you, just tag somebody, but I had to. We, We are the people of the Great Commission. And the main idea of my message tonight is an invitation to embrace this in a personal way. And just to say, I'm committed to the Great Commission. And I want you to just say that after me. I'm committed to the Great Commission. commission. Just say it one more time. I'm committed to the Great Commission. Yeah, I think Jesus is looking for you and me to be the kind of people that would actually be committed to the Great Commission. All right, so uh, imagine for a second being, you know, 9 or 10 or 11 years old, something like that, and it's a, a hot summer night, and you're with a bunch of other kids, 
and you're going to play a game, maybe a game of tag. Why not? And uh, it's time. It's the beginning of the game, and all the kids are all gathering together, and you're a part of it, and you know what needs to happen in this moment. you got to decide who's going first. And so all the kids are gathering together, and you, you're feeling kind of sweaty, and you just want to start playing, and they have to decide who's going first. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somebody over here says, one, two, three, not it. And then, not it. And then, not it. And all of a sudden, you're the last one standing there, and you hadn't said not it yet. And that means you're it, right? And it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like, even as kids, there's something in us that says, in a sense, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to be it. Like, I don't want to be the one to go first. I don't necessarily want to have to do that stuff. Um, maybe, maybe somebody else could go first. Maybe someone else could do that. But you know what, when it comes to this great commission, you know, I just asked you to say that phrase, right? I'm committed to the great commission. And you put your weekend church service face on, and some of you at home, you didn't even have to put that face on because no one's looking at you. But nonetheless, you kind of rallied and you said it, you know, I'm committed to the great commission. But deep down, some of us were thinking, well, actually, hold on, though. Is there an out? Because, I, I mean, I say it, but, you know, if it means I got to go put, like, an A-frame sign on that says, like, turn or burn or whatever, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you, I don't want to do that, you know? And, and for, for some of us, when we think about this thing of the Great Commission and we realize what's being asked of us, there is a little bit of one, two, three, not it going on, if we're honest. And we can fill in the blanks with all kinds of reasons, we don't want to be thought of as, uh, as uh, intolerant or, or non-inclusive, or we don't want to be thought of as narrow-minded or exclusive, or we don't want to be thought, and we fill in the blanks with all kinds of things, right? But at the core, I think Jesus is saying, have I given my life for you? Have you enjoyed and received the beauty and the wonder of waking up every day knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you have the hope of heaven? Have you enjoyed knowing every single day that my grace is the foundation for your life? And do you enjoy the empowerment of my presence in you day in and day out? And, and do you think that that's meant for you and you alone? I think Jesus is wanting for you and I to be generous people. And ultimately, generosity of soul, recognizing that we have something that has become for us a treasure, even if we had to be on a bit of a journey to get to the place where we could recognize the value and the beauty of it, it's a treasure, and it's a treasure that's meant to be given away. The way of the world is when you have a treasure, you hoard it and, and hide it. But the way of the kingdom is when you have a treasure, you give it away. And there is no greater treasure than the treasure of salvation in life in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is saying to you again today, tag your it. And maybe some of us are saying, I know this message. I've read those verses. I know. Then my question for you is, all right, well, then when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? I mean, other than the people that come to church with you. <laughs> Like, when's the last time you actually went out on a limb with that weird, oh, this could be a little awkward, oh, this feels a little uncomfortable, but oh, man, I feel that nudge of Holy Spirit, and who knows, this person just might need to know how good God is and how much he loves her, and uh, here I go. I mean, that, that moment is what you're made for. That's kingdom. That's great commission. And I think that's what, uh, what I'm, I'm hoping that Jesus would call some of us into. And so I want you to say it again. I'm committed to the Great Commission. 
Okay, I want you to say it one more time, nice and strong. Say, I'm committed to the Great Commission. Now, I just asked you to say something that's going to call for you to make some follow-through decisions. And to really unpack this idea of the Great Commission a little bit more, I want us to turn to uh, the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is, in, in the beginning of the book of Acts, this section is written by Luke, the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke, who is a, a physician, a doctor, and, and a well-educated person, and uh, careful with his words. And Luke, in this moment, uh, is writing all of the stuff that he observed happen with Jesus and the followers of Jesus. He's writing to one particular guy called Theophilus. And, and it's really a moment that is a continuation of what we just, we just read together. But here's the scripture in Acts chapter 1, in verse 1. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he prov proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, you, you, you just made a statement, most of you anyway. You said, I'm committed to the Great Commission. But I want you to see here in the beginning of the book of Acts that Jesus is saying, right, okay, so if you are committed to the Great Commission, I need you to make sure that you have the full resourcing of the Holy Spirit if you're really going to step into that commission. Because don't even try without the fullness of the Holy Spirit is in a sense what Jesus is saying. And you know what? In our experience of the Christian faith, this is something so beautiful, that God would say to every single one of us, I'm willing to allow the fullness of my spirit to reside inside of you. I want the fullness of my spirit to be living inside of you so that you will have all the power that you need for every situation that you face, so that you will have all of the power that you need for the challenges, for the problems, all the power you need to see breakthrough come, all the power you need to bring freedom to somebody else, all the power you need to share about Jesus. It's in the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if maybe for some of us, part of the reason why we have had the one, two, three, not it, about the Great Commission is because we don't really have the fullness of the Holy Spirit that we're made for. And so if you're supposed to just get out there all by your own self and all your own strength, of course not. Of course we're a little hesitant. But that was never God's design anyway. His design was always that you and me would be people of the Holy Spirit who dwell in such a closeness with God that we are allowing more and more every day of that fullness of the Holy Spirit to be our reality. And, and so the words of Jesus, the risen Jesus, matter. The words of Scripture matter. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be, say it, baptized baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized means completely submerged, like drenched in. 
dunked in, dripping with Holy Spirit goodness. Like that's the picture that God has. And some of us think about Holy Spirit and we go, "Ah, tip, 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 okay, that was enough, right? Come on, he's talking about Boom, like all in, like you just dive all the way in and you're just swimming in the goodness of Holy Spirit and you're up to your neck in the Spirit. You're under the water of the Spirit and as a result, when, when you think about sharing about Jesus with someone, you, you're, not, you're not afraid, you're flowing in the goodness of the power and presence of God and it's the most natural thing in the world and it's not a stretch because the Spirit of God is drawing you from within in into that gospel great commission action and I think God's looking for you and me to be people who do it more and more and maybe even tonight some of us need to begin to repent and say God forgive me for where I've where I've I've kind of been very timid and very cautious and all of us have all kinds of good excuses for why we're so cautious about mentioning Jesus to anyone. But I think we're coming into a season in which it will be absolutely essential that we open up our mouths and declare the name of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the power of his gospel and his kingdom presence. You are his plan. You are his plan. You're the one who has been tagged and identified as it. Right, 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 right where you are. You're it. And Spirit of God is saying, come on, let's, let's go into this great commission goodness. I want to keep reading in Acts chapter uh, 1. It said, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I'm going to just pause right here. Do, do you see what just happened? The disciples, like a lot of us, immediately start thinking, I want to talk about politics. I want to talk about the government. I want to talk about how we're going to overthrow. There's nothing new under the sun. And Jesus says, yeah, I don't actually want to talk about that. What I want to talk about is how you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Did you see that? Right? Is now the time when you're going to overthrow the king? Let, let's, no, how about let me tell you about how you need to be filled with the power of the Spirit of God. And, and I don't know that all that much has changed. I think it's still the truth that so many of us, more than anything else, need to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of God's Spirit from on high. This is what you and I need more than anything. It's what we're made for. So the Father alone has the authority to set the dates and times. They're not for you to know. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Verse 8, one more time. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. When we think about what Holy Spirit comes for, sometimes we, we think Holy Spirit is, is, is the, the way in which I experienced all of those feelings, you know? And, and that's wonderful. I love those feelings. But the feelings aren't the point. The feelings are the byproduct of the presence. But the purpose of the giving of the Holy Spirit is empowerment for the mission of Jesus Christ. And at the peak of that mission is telling people about him everywhere. Did you hear his words? You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. At the core, that's what Jesus is looking for for you and me. To be bold enough to tell people about him everywhere. Now, you've you got to understand, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. You know what, in my house, uh, just this past week, I had a, a, an occurrence, something happened that actually happens quite frequently. And it is, you know, I, I went to uh, dry my hair with the hair dryer, and the hair dryer just wouldn't work. So I'm standing there, you know, in a towel, wet, you know, trying to deal with the, you know, the, anyway, it's a little bit too much information. You didn't need to know about all that. But, uh, and, and it wouldn't work, and it's plugged in. And I, this has happened so many times now, of course I know. And what I have to do is I have to, I have to go into one of my kids' bathrooms where there's a GFI circuit and press that button and then I can go back to my own bathroom and blow my hair. Anybody else have a GFI circuit problem? I've lived with it for way too long. I know what needs to happen. <laughs> my son just raised his hand. He's like, yep, I've lived with you barging into my bathroom for years now. Yeah, yeah. I know what needs to be done. I need to change out the, their 20-year-old GFIs. They need to be changed out. They don't work like they're supposed to. It would be an easy solution. I just haven't given the attention to it. And, and kind of like that, I think that maybe for some of us, we have a, a little bit of connection with Holy Spirit, and, and, but it's not kind of all the way there. And we know what would be needed. And what would be needed is just to be people who spend more time in the presence of God. More time just lingering in his presence, enjoying God and, and saying, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. But we just kind of don't. We just wait until the next problem and we suddenly start crying out in the middle of another problem. But really what God is desiring for you and me is to be people who make it more of our way of life, to live in his power so that his power can flow through us as his witnesses. Verse 8, just this one section of it again, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. I want you to repeat these words after me, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. I wonder if maybe part of the reason a lot of us have that one, two, three, not it kind of feeling about the Great Commission might be because uh, we, we think that we're supposed to be like God's defense attorney when it comes to the Great Commission. Like our job is to somehow figure out how we can beat people over the head with just enough truth that they'll finally give in, you know? It's not the scriptures. The scriptures, you'll be my witnesses. And, and think about it. You know what a witness does? A witness just simply tells their own story. This is what I saw. This is what I've experienced. This is what I've been through. And so when it says, you will be my witnesses, it's about me being a person who's able to say, well, 
I don't know, but I, I know that Jesus forgave my sin, and it sure feels good to live forgiven. I, I know that Jesus gave me the hope of heaven, and I love knowing that there's a place of glory for me that I'm headed for even after death. I just know that Jesus has given me his power to overcome challenge after challenge. I just know that Jesus has given me hope when everything else felt like despair. I just know what Jesus has done for me. You know? And for every one of us who has even a shred of faith in Jesus, you could probably put into words your experience as a witness. And I want to challenge you to do it. I want to challenge you to, this week, write down one paragraph which you could use to describe what Jesus has done for you. Your experience as a witness to the power and love of Jesus in your life. And let that be on the ready in your life. This series, Tag Your It, is one in which I'm hoping that we as a church would embrace the challenge to rise up out of our comfort zone and run into the kingdom of God work on a personal level. And that we would embrace the challenge of the Great Commission and that we would live it out uh, it speaks here about being his witnesses in Ju Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. For these people that Jesus was talking to, Jerusalem was home turf. It was what they knew inside and out. And Judea was also familiar, but would require them to cross some boundaries. Samaria was a place uh, of outright opposition. And then the ends of the earth, man, that was like, Places they didn't even know, hadn't even ever been before. And in the same way, when the scriptures speak these words to you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I think those same kinds of circles still exist. Your Jerusalem is, you know, your, your house, your family room, like with your family members, your cousins, your grandparents, your, maybe some neighbors, like, but right there you have an opportunity to be his witnesses, telling people about him everywhere. But then a little bit beyond that is, uh, let's say, uh, Judea. And that might be this whole community. And it could be the, the soccer fields if we ever get to go back to those and, and play games, right? It could be uh, the clubs, the school activities, again, if we get to do those again. It could be the, the city hall, that part of our community where God has placed you, where you have access, where you have relationships, your workplace, Samaria, that's you know, maybe the places where there's even some opposition to the things of God, but no, nevertheless, you feel a tug, a, a sense of pull from God to go there and share about the power and love of Jesus. And then the ends of the earth, uh, there may be some, some ways in which God is calling some of us to go across borders and boundaries for the gospel of Jesus. I think Jesus is looking for some people that would say yes to his commission. And I'm hoping that you will be one of those people that would say yes to his commission. It wouldn't just be a, a church service on the one hot weekend kind of thing where you said, I'm committed to the Great Commission. But instead, it would be something that you'd follow through on with action. I'm always going to be grateful for this one moment that happened. I mean, I've got a bunch of these moments, where, but where someone else was living out this Great Commission and it changed my life. One of these moments happened when I was a freshman at Rutgers University, and I was, a, I, I, I was backslidden beyond uh, recognition. 
And you, you, if you saw me then, you would not believe that that kid was going to one day be your pastor. You would have been like, oh, oh no. But I, I, was, I was out there, and in my dorm room, there was a knock on the door one night, and it was this guy, Andy Birch. And he was, I think, a sophomore or a junior or something, and I was a freshman, and he came knocking on the door, and he said, hi, I'm Andy, I just wanted to uh, welcome you. You're, you're a freshman, you're new here. And I said, well, thanks, and I shut the door. He, he came back and knocked again another night and said, hey, it's me, Andy, I just want to stop by again, and I wanted to see if I could talk to you for a few minutes. And I, for whatever reason, I said, okay, fine. You know, and he came in, and, he, and he, he did what I just described. He started saying to me, you know, I wanted to share about something that's just so important to me in my life, and that's that I'm forgiven, and that God has had mercy on me, and given me hope, and given me a reason to live that I never had before, and would you want to hear any more about that, and I said, sure, and and then he told me more about it. He opened up a little uh, folder and drew a little diagram of like a, a, a square here and a circle there. And I don't even remember what it all meant, but it was this guy making an effort to live out the Great Commission and to say, let me tell you about my experience with Jesus. I wish I could tell you, and that night I raised my hand and bowed my head and everything was great again. It wasn't. That moment didn't come for another couple years for me. But I'll never forget that. It was one of the seeds that it made such an impression on me, even though I wasn't ready to recommit my life yet. To this day, I'll never forget that knock on the door, those two times, Andy Birch with the navigators telling me about Jesus. And it made a difference. I wonder if maybe there's some, some people that you're meant to go knock on their door, literally or figuratively. And I wonder if you could ask Holy Spirit to give you an empowerment with confidence and courage to actually do it, to actually do it. You never know, there might be somebody that one day, 25 years from now, might be talking about, yeah, well, there was this, uh, there was this girl, Brina, and she came knocking on my door, and she said, hey, I wanted to tell you about Jesus. And, and it had everything to do with the fact that you stood up, and you said something, and you didn't, you didn't have a degree in theology, you weren't trying to beat anybody over the head with the book, you were just saying, Let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. I think this is what we're made for. So we do this this online prayer room. And uh, in in this online prayer room that we do, there's about 40 or 50 of us that join together online and and pray. And today, in that online prayer room, uh, there was a guy who typed into the comments, and usually we know everybody who's typing into the comments, but there's this one guy who typed in, and I didn't recognize his name, and I'll just share with you what he wrote. He wrote, his name is Karam, and he wrote, peace of the Lord to everyone. I was a young Muslim in Iraq, and I'm 35 years old, and a month ago, the Lord Jesus appeared to me in a dream. He asked me to go to the church. He said to me, go and pray in the church. I was a Muslim, and I did not know who Christ is. But now, I am one of the servants of Jesus Christ. I advise all human beings to seek salvation from their Savior, Jesus Christ. He said it twice. I advise all human beings to seek salvation from the Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, just, I just love that testimony. Right? And, and joining us on our prayer room from across the globe, but just to give a witness, just to give a testimony. And in his case, Jesus appeared to him in a dream. 
And yes, Jesus can choose to just show up and circumvent the process and do it all by himself. Yes, he can. But his primary preferential option is you, you and me, stepping up to do our part to tell someone about Jesus, to be his witnesses, telling people about him everywhere. And so church, I'm challenging you to say yes to this great commission. And I want to make sure that you all know the love of Jesus personally. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 6 in verse 40. He said, my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. I got to say that again. My father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. This is Jesus making very clear, in case you were wondering what God wants to have happen, what God wants to have happen is exactly that, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him would have eternal life. And so for many of us online or here on this patio, we would say, I have looked to the Son. I've looked to Jesus, and He's forgiven my sin, and He's saved my life. And if that's you, I just want you to right now shout, hallelujah. Uh, You know, for so many of us, this is the truth. We know we have looked to the Son, and He's forgiven our sins and saved our life. But there are probably some of us either here in person or here online for whom this kind of a moment hasn't happened. And we are not sure where we stand with God. But I'm sure that what God desires is for you to know that you're right with Him. That's what Jesus said. God's desire is that everyone look to the Son, believe in Him, and have eternal life. And so maybe it's time for somebody here online or on the patio to once and for all look to the Son, look to Jesus, and ask Him to forgive you and save you. No one else can do this for you. It's your own moment. And the truth is you you might have a bunch of questions you still want to get answers to, and that's fine. There's room along the way to keep asking all kinds of questions, but there needs to be a point at which things begin. And so if you've never started following Jesus, I want to encourage you here and now to look to the Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Look to the Son and believe in Him and receive the gift of eternal life. And I want us to pray together right now, and I'm praying that God would do whatever is needed to do the awakening, the spiritual awakening that's needed. And this would be just a beginning, but I hope this beginning would happen for somebody. So would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the beauty of the great commission that you would put it in our hands and say, tag, you're it. Go let people know how loved they are. Go let people know how much mercy is available. Go let people know how much hope is available. Go tell people about the hope of heaven. Go tell people about the glory of my kingdom. Go, tag your it. And thank you, God, for so many here who have said, I'm committed to the Great Commission. And I do pray, Lord, for an activation that so many of us would feel a surge of your Spirit's power inside of us nudging us to actually do the Great Commission, to rise up and be those who would 
Knock on somebody's door. Send somebody that text message. Share that. Make that phone call. Go to that place, whatever it is, following the leading of the Holy Spirit so that somebody could be set free, so that somebody could be given hope, so that somebody could receive the love of the Father. I ask, Lord, for your Spirit's power to come upon each one of us for the Great Commission purpose. Thank you, Lord. God, I also pray for an awakening in this moment for others of us. If we don't know where we stand with you, God, I pray for a spiritual awakening right now. Lord, for whoever is listening to me who doesn't know where they stand with God, I'm praying, Lord, for an awakening right now. If you are here with me online or on the patio and you're saying, I don't know where I stand with God. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I want to know that I can live with the hope of God in my life. If you're ready to receive his gift of eternal life, right now, I want you to raise your hand or type into the comments and say, I'm giving my life to Jesus because I want to pray with you that you would receive his gift of salvation. So you can raise your hand or you can type into the comments, say, I'm giving my life to Jesus and then pray with me right now in this moment and say, Jesus, I'm asking for your forgiveness. I'm asking for the gift of salvation. Jesus, I believe in you. And everybody all together, would you just say this with me? Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in you. And I'm asking for your gift of eternal life, the hope of salvation. And Lord, I pray that you would allow that gift to be given right now to whoever needs to receive it. I thank you, Lord, for the hope of heaven and the gift of new life in Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Um, Let's continue to pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, if there's anything else you want to do in this moment for us, we want to ask, Lord, that you would move. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this moment. Just as we're sitting and sweating together, unless you're over to my right over here, you're good in the AC, but right where you're sitting, just simply say, or if you're at home, say, Holy Spirit, come. Just say it out loud. Holy Spirit, come. Come like a mighty rushing wind. Come and whisper, move however you want to. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Uh, As soon as I began speaking those words, Holy Spirit, come, I'm hearing this word heart condition, heart condition, heart condition. And it's like as though the Lord is speaking a word of knowledge that that's something that he wants to heal. And whether you're online or uh, in person, if that's you, I want you to, to, to say so. And if you could raise your hand or just type into the comments, that's me. Heart condition needs to be healed. Just raise your hand or put it in the comments. That's me. Raise your hand or type it in. I want to pray for healing for you. So Father, I pray for whoever needs this heart condition to be healed, that it would be done. And because I'm not seeing hands in person, I think it's probably somebody at home. And so I want to pray right now, God, that your Holy Spirit power would come to bring healing to heart condition. And Lord, there, there, I pray for immediate relief, whether it was palpitations or, uh, or pressure or some arrhythmia, something we don't even know the name of. Lord, I pray that there would be immediate relief and that there would be a testimony even right now. And you, if you feel God touching you and bringing healing, I want you to type that into the comments. Say, he's healing me. I feel it. And we'll celebrate together. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, do what you alone can do. 
Bring your healing touch, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Jesus. I, I see this picture of, of a person like you, your hands are in chains and you're lifting the, your, your hands which are chained up over your head and you can't say it out loud. It's not something you feel like talking about, but it's something that you, you are asking God to set you free from. And I believe that God is showing me this picture of you raising your hands up almost in a desperate plea as, as a way of of God showing you that he hears your cry, the ones that you can't even put into words and don't even want to talk about publicly. But hear me right now. He is the chain breaker. And so right now, you don't even have to, I don't want you to feel embarrassed or anything, so you don't need to do anything except in the silence of your own heart. Just simply say, God, I receive the freedom that you have paid for. And just say it. God, I receive the freedom that you've paid for and I believe that you're setting me free even right now. And then take a deep breath, like a deep, deep breath. And imagine just Holy Spirit flooding you from the inside. Take another deep, deep breath and just breathe in the Holy Spirit in this moment. Breathe in the Holy Spirit in this moment and feel the Spirit of God moving throughout your entire being, setting you free breaking off the shackles and the chains. He's doing it now. I believe him for this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your goodness. We praise you, Lord.